Hello, book lovers. I am Phil Svitek, joined alongside Marissa Serafini. And even though it is uh, still technically September, we are at the tail end. And so we are discussing today Hocus Pocus and the all new sequel. Yes, that is the official title of the book. Um, so we're going to get into all that stuff. Um, just a few sort of not necessarily housekeeping items, but just, you know, we're going to assume that you've read the book um, in that way. Or if not, hey, it's going to be spoiled. So just know that right up front. Um, and as the title implies, yes, it is based off of the movie uh, that came out. And so it's a novelization and the all new sequel. But I have to know, and we'll talk about it more. It is different than the Disney Plus sequel. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, know that. But, uh, you know, uh, just before I get Marissa into your overall thoughts, I just want to say, you know, it's a light, easy, fun thing that I felt like we would just have a blast talking about, even if uh, the writing isn't necessarily the best. Um, but it's fun enough, right? Like, it's good enough to make it work. So with that said, Marissa, what did you think of Hocus Pocus and the all-new sequel? I mean, honestly, Bill, I have to praise you because I think you just know me too well. Knowing I, I love Hocus Pocus, the film, considering years ago we did a book, uh, a movie review on it, and now we're doing the book review. So, you know, I was like, I was so all in for this one. Um, and it, what was exciting is that I don't think the writing was bad. It actually added padding to, like, the scenes that we already know. Um, it added a little... Could you say more character development? Maybe, but um, you could say, like, more development and relationships between each other um whether that be danny to max or max to allison you know they, they're just more like chemistry um building in, in that sense for character development and like i enjoyed it as like when you said last time when you're reading you know you know the first movie quote unquote first story uh, it, you are playing it in your head, and like I totally don't mind that. And I do have to admit, when I started this book, I was like sixty pages in. I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely like replaying it in my mind. But I actually stopped and fast forwarded to part two. I was like, I know, I already know this story. So let me just get to the sequel part that I don't know yet. I was kind of more excited to read that first. Um, so I kind of read this book out of order. Not gonna lie, but it all made sense, and I loved it. I can't wait to dive into. It. Yeah, so, you know, we'll take it in two parts, as is the book. Um, so let's start with, um, you know, the first part, which is very heavily based on the movie. And as you mentioned, I do believe that it deepens the character motivations. We know um, why Max was rowdy in class. And, you know, it takes some liberties where it doesn't start. Uh, the movie itself starts with, like, the prologue. And then we cut to the classroom scene, whereas the book is much more, it cuts back and forth and we get Max a little bit before his day really begins. And that's where the infatuation with Allison does already come in. So we're, we're playing into that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I thought um, expanded stuff. And then the only other major thing is it intertwined sort of the basis for what will come in the sequel, AKA that the Sandersons have this unknown sister <laughs> Elizabeth Sanderson. So that's like a major change um, through it. But yeah, um, as far as obviously visualize that, but I'm curious to know your, um, like you mentioned, you like the additive stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it kind of helps with the pacing along too, because, you know, if you're just going to go like basically throughout the movie, you know, movie has a condensed schedule and things are usually more um, expedited when it comes to character development, relationship development. So when we got the the scenes between Allison and Max flirting with each other, you can also see like also more scenes added onto that that we don't see as visuals. Um, you, you can see the the like they've been eyeing each other for a while. Um, it's not just like one day kind of fatuation. It was like, oh no, Max has been there for a couple weeks now, and. Allison has noticed him in other classes. And so it was like, we see more of those kind of scenes where like, oh no, they've, they've been interested in each other for a while. And then once Max finally, you know, uh, like gets the courage to like give the number and stuff, you're like, oh no, that that wasn't just a spontaneous moment. That was like two week buildup kind of. And I like that because, you know, when it comes to books, it, it flushes out relationships better. 
Yeah. And, and, and that was um, as far as the whole interaction with Danny, um, it fleshed that out, right? Because Allison had seen him sans Danny. And then she takes note that, hey, when you're with Danny, you're much more you. You're relaxed, albeit, yeah. you know, lighting black flame candles. But at least like I see the truer nature of who you actually are. And um, and that I think works overall as far as the story. Yeah, and I like that. And, you know, and to see the dichotomy between Max, because we see it as the audience when he's alone with his family, but Allison doesn't. Um, and I like that Allison pointed that out. I was like, no, you you actually are a nice guy. You generally care for your sister. Like um, when you're trying to put on a front, it's, it's disingenuous. But like when you're more relaxed in, in that way, it's like she's more attracted to that. I was like, yeah, that that's what's attractive to women when men are truly themselves. Yeah. Well, it uh, it also solved the big mystery of how did Danny know about uh, Allison's yabos? Yeah, apparently we got the whole thing it was a phone call to a friend in california where they were talking about all the things mm-hmm. <laughs> max liked about allison allison's jabos okay i do have to ask you because you know this book does kind of date itself now they're saying 1993 2018 2019 so like we do get specific timelines in, in that way and when it comes to yabos and you know allison's dress uh, now in the 21st century also to date ourselves do you think that reference ages well with the pc-ness i know people are like a little bit more um, particular about that but do you think like the humor and the joke they still ages well i think it does because it was always so like far-fetched i mean first off i'd never heard the word yabos apart from like this right <laughs> and so even in the movie you know because that's what we grew up with right like that was a big point of everyone remembers that moment because of how absurd it is. You know, I mean, he chokes on his, you know, as he's drinking the punch, he's like, what the hell, you know, did you say? Um, And so I don't, you know, like, let's be honest. I don't think it's in today's day, day and age. Yeah. Even like, I'm sure there's guys that talk about like women's boobs and be like, Oh, she got a nice rack and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, would you want that? So it's the same principle, regardless of what time frame you're in, like it's guys speak, right. And then all of a sudden, here you have an eight-year-old just blurted out and being truthful. And he's like, wait, totally not meant for you to be heard. It's true, but not meant for that, you know? Right. So and I don't know. That was, but- that's such a genuine brother-sister moment, too. Um, maybe the PC-ness doesn't age well, but the the relationship between um, siblings still is very relevant I'm like I feel that when you know a younger sibling is embarrassing an older sibling and especially in front of the person that they're crushing on yeah exactly like to me that it, it brings truth for all the all of eternity right you're always going to have someone be like hey I think uh this person likes you or like hey uh you know do you like him you know just being so blunt yeah um, 100% <laughs> um what was um any other sort of characters within the first one that you felt were fun to be fleshed out? Like for me in particular, I loved getting into the dynamics of the sisters because, mm-hmm. right, they, they too were expanded. Um, but just curious from your perspective, if there was anything that you enjoyed. Um, I mean, yes, the sisters too. I, I loved how the, the dialogue never changed because the dialogue in the movie is just like so one-liner, witty, funny. And like the actresses themselves just deliver them so well. Um, and so like, I love that they kept the, the funny lines in the book, but also just their mannerisms towards each other, um, how they're like hitting each other and slapping each other. We, we see that in the movie, but we also see that in the book. But um, my thing was more so like, you can understand, like uh, maybe maybe this is just me now reading it. It's like, I questioned why mary and sarah were always following winnie because you know like in a pack of three you have the leader the follower and the wannabe that's like the general trope of of groups and um, winnie's definitely the leader but then you see mary she could like be smart and like she she puts winnie in her place and sarah's just you know a diss and just jumps all over the place and that's why we love her but the fact that like mary and sarah don't ever really question winnie they just placate to her follow her and do whatever they did and if they actually gave pushback i think we would have had a completely different result um in this movie and in the story if 
we actually had like more challenging people towards Winnie. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're certainly not incorrect, but I think that was part of the charm is that like if they were never sisters, um, like it's one of those things, like I think Winnie ultimately does need them, but they don't need her. But and of course, the paradox of it all is Winnie wishes she didn't have them because she thinks she doesn't need them. And yet she so heavily does. And it does. <laughs> right. Um, and so I think that's the charm of it all is that, uh, you know, they're her younger sisters. And so by sort of default of what you imagine to be childhood torture, they don't know another way, you know, um, and yeah, and we'll go ahead. Oh. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, and Sarah and Mary, I mean, like, they play their own vital roles, too. I mean, Sarah can sing children like a siren to to gather the children, and Mary can actually sniff them out. So, like, they have their skill set that actually um, Winifred doesn't have um, because she needs children, and, like, she can't gather them themselves. Definitely not based on personality, either. Um, so, it's like, yeah, the, the girls play their vital roles, but um, just, like, questioning of character... I wonder if um, they didn't seem like, I wouldn't say antagonists, but like good foils to uh, to Winifred in the plot that they're trying to execute. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, th I think, um, you know, even in the first movie and, and, and certainly in the book, there's a lot of reference to mother, right? And so, and, you know, we'll talk about mother because we do get her in the uh, second part. Um, I'm sure she wasn't uh, the most encouraging of Mary and Sarah, right? So, no. um, so there's that aspect. One of the scenes that I loved in the book was uh, when they meet Master. Um, <laughs> it was so like it's a great scene to begin with, but the way it's fleshed out, uh, I don't know. I want to get your opinion on that scene in particular. Yeah, and I think it's it's funny. I think it's honestly it's more relevant, I and mean, it comes with you know timeliness of you know the movie that came out in 1993 we had gary marshall and penny marshall who were big in comedy back in the 80s 70s and, and you know early 90s like that was their height of their um status of their star status and so like it was definitely important to have those characters in the movie and also bet midler had worked with you know the marshalls so there there was a friendship relationship there so it makes them no it, it totally makes sense why those two were in the movie but when you read it in the book you're like yeah, it's a funny moment and you still get the funny lines. It's like, oh, um, you know, that there's a relationship between master and, and these girls. But honestly, if you cut, honestly, if you cut the scene out, it wouldn't change anything. Um, but in the movie, I think it hits more. Yeah, I mean, to me, like the reason why it worked so well in the book was because they looked up to master and like, you know, it, it, it gives an inkling of what hell was really like you know, because it spans it and it's like, oh, the fact that he remembered their names, even though they'd only seen each other once in hell, you know, because he's so busy and he's the From grand the Lord. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I just, I just like that aspect of like wanting this guy's approval so much, you know, and just the silliness of it all. So, so I appreciated yeah. it. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, it's like, there's, you, you can see like the lack of parenting, I guess it, you could say in this story, especially with, you know, um, Max and Danny's parents are hardly ever there. We see them once in a while, but like they're, they're not really not involved in, in the story. And then when we see um, the Sanderson sisters trying to placate towards Satan, uh, Max are also like trying to um, win affection from their mother. Like this is what mother would do or, you know. Um, so it, it's interesting that there was more a parental kind of, um, lingering presence in, in their motivation uh, in the Sanderson sisters that we don't get in the movie, which I actually enjoyed. By the way, if it were not for that scene, they would not realize that All Hallows' Eve has become a night of a muck, a muck, a muck. A muck. Uh, yeah, I could just like hear Sarah's voice in my head and see her jumping around. And then I can also see Winnie hit her in, in the stomach. Oh, so good. So good. So good indeed. Um, and yeah, so the, the, the book, like the movie climaxes, you know, towards the cemetery, um, they do the, the, the sort of big thing. And, uh, I'm, you read it out of order, but I'm curious when it happened, when they open the book, 
obviously it's a bad thing in the movie regardless but in the book they mention oh wait elizabeth sanderson so i just you know when you read that what did you think yeah that, that was a nice ad because that definitely adds to the second story that was a nice like setup like foreshadowing you can say because now it makes you wonder because this whole first story um you know winnie's always calling out to the book like come to mummy and then when you hear elizabeth sanders name it was the last quote-unquote owner of the book you're like oh is you know is she the rightful owner now um is is elizabeth you know i, I don't know maybe it kind of goes into also harry potter lore like who now has the proper ownership of you know the wand aka this book um so now you're wondering it's like oh is elizabeth the master of the book now or why is the book still you know um following winnie so it makes a question I, I don't know it was a nice setup to the second one which we'll get into yeah and certainly like um I, in in those moments right um when it is like four or five a.m um the worry of like in the movie I, i'm not thinking about like oh her parents must think what the hell's going on and is she now pregnant <laughs> as far as allison right so i think they it was i like that insertion of like holy crap uh you know yeah the, most people don't know about the witches and things like that and so you know for her to just spend the night with a guy right and also it goes to show that we don't really see allison's parents either we hear of them we know that her mother used to be the caretaker of the museum but that's all we see and we know that the party that she was at when max and danny go to see her um, like it was their parents' party, but you don't see the parents. So again, it just like goes to show that the parents aren't really involved so much in the children's lives, or at least for, you know, this night of Halloween. Yeah. But like the presence is there, but they're not actively involved. Yeah. Any um other observations about part one before we start to deep dive into part two? I mean, no, I just love the fact that it followed the beats and still followed the character um, development of, well, like why we love these characters and like it's very consistent throughout. I'm glad they didn't change anything but added um, to yeah. enhance it. Yeah. And I will say um, years ago at this point, uh, we did a Hocus Pocus retrospective uh, movie discussion with our sister, Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sarah Stratton. <laughs> Uh, we love and, Sarah. and so I will link to that um, as well for those curious because I think it's uh, I mean I haven't revisited since but I, I know it was a fun and lively discussion and people seem to enjoy it so it was years ago now we were babies then but I think that goes to show just how timeless this movie can be yes it's a Halloween story but it's still fun the humor is still hilarious after years now um, you know we're going on 30 years look at that now i don't mean to keep dating us but like it just shows that this is a fun movie to watch every single year and it holds or, up right like it um a lot of the effects are practical and so they don't feel dated in that way like bad cgi might um so like and i'm sure you know they're using tricks and stuff like that but like when the sandersons come like it's all lighting tricks and you know just stuff a magician would use or stuff like right. that you know so um, that's why I think it is also rewatchable at any stage of life. So, um, now, uh, before we get into part two, just quick context about this. So, um, the author of this book in particular is not very, um, publicized, you know, there's, there's no mention of the name. You have to like really look inside the book for the name, but, um, is A.W. Uh, Jantha. Uh, so far from what I can tell, this is her first and only book. Um, and, it is a freeform books uh, published book, which is an imprint of uh, the Disney Book Group. And in particular, you know, it, it was uh, released in 2018, which coincided with the 25th anniversary of the movie. And this was, you know, th there was a lot of talk for a while, I remember, of like a Hocus Pocus sequel as far as a movie. And that never came to fruition. And so when I heard about this, I read this, you know, pretty much when it came out and enjoyed it. Um, and then when Disney Plus announced that they were having an actual Hocus Pocus 2 sequel, I was very excited. Um, now, as I mentioned at the top, the sequel we're going to talk about is very different than what they actually made. 
And part of it, uh, you know, I think right. could be, you know, maybe they couldn't get all the characters back. Like the, the this book in particular is very much focused on 25 years after and with the main characters. Uh, there's new characters, but it involves our beloved Danny, Allison, and um, Max. Right. And before we really delve in, I have to kind of add to it because I don't know, you might you might have been aware, but I definitely was a part of it. Um, there was during the pandemic, uh, Bette Midler, God love her because she's amazing. She got N- Kathy Najimy and Sarah, um, Jessica Parker. She she got those two women to agree to make a cameo, quote unquote, for this um, online fundraiser that they were putting on during the pandemic. It was when the world shut down. People were like locked in their houses. They didn't want to go anywhere and, and like production shut down anywhere. And that's when people were like filming stuff at home. And because Bette Midler and her star power, she got a lot of different celebrities involved in different ways to help, um, you know, donate money to, I believe it's like New York Library um, Foundation. And it it was kind of, I wouldn't say Kickstarter, but it was like um, people like me um, could donate money. And when you do that, you get a online link to the uh, special event that was only streamed online. And because of the success of that, you had the three Sanderson sisters back after 20 plus years. We're like, oh my God, this is awesome. And that was so popular. And it streamed a few times, actually. Like, it was only meant to play once, but like people demanded to see it again. Um, because of the success, that's when Disney Plus actually greenlit properly the sequel for Disney Plus, um, the movie. Uh, and that's like really what kept it going when it reminded everybody, we were like, oh no, people still love Hocus Pocus. Um, so that really helped it. Thanks to Bette Miller. I mean, God damn, I love her. I love her so much. Yeah. No, I'm glad. Uh, you know, I mean, I remember that was a big thing and um yeah, just the amount of people like the the watch party when it came out. I watched you know? it. That I mean, was we me. Did, we did our own watch party. I remember, so that was a lot we of did. fun. Um, but yeah, that that live event was super special because I was like the only one out of like the circle that I know of people who actually watched it live that night. I was like freaking out because I was so excited because I bought my tickets like a month ahead. Um, so I was definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. So I mean, anyone who thinks that this movie. Well, not like forever. Millennials, at the very least, will keep this uh, flame of the black flame candle burning. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, and uh, all that. So, all right, well, let's get into the sequel itself. So unlike with the part one, this one is much more first person, which yeah. is a, and present tense. So big shift already. Right. And also a perspective change from a male to a female. And honestly, I got to admit, I didn't read the back of the cover. I didn't know the character's name was Poppy. So when I'm reading about this character who's now first perspective for like 10 pages and she's interested in a girl, I was like, oh, interesting. I can't tell if this is a woman or a man. And then we finally find out it's Poppy. I was like, oh, something's happening here, which we'll get into. But yeah, it was such a drastic change of writing style that I I had to do a double take. I'm like, wait, who's speaking right now? Is it a son? Is it a or is it a daughter? I don't know. Yeah, and I think I think it works overall. Where where it gets not into trouble, but it's interesting is there are scenes with just the witches later that happen that isn't from a first person perspective. So it's like if we're gonna stick to Poppy, I'm all in. But then we kind of have this obligatory, like, hey, cut to <laughs> other characters. Mm-hmm. So that's that's when it was interesting. Um, what did you think of, you know, overall the story itself? Part two. I think it was it followed the same beats as the first one, but in, you know, obviously different elements in that way where, you know, there there's doubt. And I loved how there there was still like. I, I don't want to say I encourage bullying. I don't. But just still the elements of high school where people are insecure and they're picking on each other and then like they're questioning um, like friendships and stuff like that. So you, you get that tension um, dynamic between teenagers. 
and then you know the the whole gathering of of doubt and like let's do this where you know we're like don't don't do that you know what's gonna happen because we, we're just conditioned that these women are gonna come back so it followed the same beats of like something's gonna happen now we have to take them out we have on, like the timetable of the the sunsets um like they're only here for a few hours so we got to do xyz um i like that it was easy to follow um and you know it's like you we see the same characters like come back but also some characters come around and i like that yeah i mean i think it one of the strengths for me was that that there was a purpose to it um you know, the whole unresolved sort of tension between, uh, you know, Bully Jay from the first one and Max mm -hmm. makes an amends, right? And even though there is bullying, as you're talking about, uh, Katie is the young daughter of, of Principal Jay, who was the bully to, uh, to Max. And not only so, so it's all kind of resolved by the end, you know, and uh, certainly not that I want to start at the end, but you know, one of the core messages by the end, as Elizabeth says, as long as there is evil in the world, the witches can come back. Yeah. You know, and I, I like that, too, because it kind of sets up themselves for a third one. Like there's a possibility these witches could come back again. And I'm like, I'm for it <laughs> as crazy as it is. And like we, we know the 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 rhythm of how to bring them back and then kill them again but like they're still fun every time they come back you you love seeing these three sanderson sisters together and just being crazy and foolish um but i'm for it and the fact that like they reassure us that like oh no they're, they're not truly dead i'm like yes let's go again because <laughs> i love it i love the ride yeah well let's um let's start with their arrival so um the whole setup is that you know there's this friend group of Poppy, who is the daughter of Max and Allison. And then there's Aunt Danny, who's the coolest, according uh -huh. to Poppy. Um, yeah, Danny grows up. Um, and I, I like the fact that, you know, now Danny, because, you know, it originally was like the, the young, annoying sister, but now she's the one that Poppy looks up to. And she's kind of, she takes on more of that leadership hero, heroine wool, I guess you can say. Um, that I wasn't expecting, honestly. And it yeah. added more character to Danny um, because getting out of that annoying child phase is actually pretty satisfying. Yeah. I mean, she was eight years old, you know, lest we forget. <laughs> right, right. And like, and I can't falter for that. But to see a different side of Danny, um, I applaud that too. Yeah. And so apart from Poppy, there are her friends, Travis. Um, who loves Halloween, but also understands uh, Poppy's motivations, which we'll get into. And then there's uh, the amazing Isabella, who is just a dream, <laughs> according to Poppy. Dream. Yeah. And this is where I was c confused. I was like, is this a girl or a guy crushing on another girl? I'm like, all right. I like it. I'm for it. Um, and I like that because it, it kind of really modernizes the story and it, like really brings us up to like today's pop culture where homosexuality is way more accepted um and i'm for it i'm like it i'm so for it yeah and you know um max is now a, a history teacher at the <laughs> school um and as the as is the decree in all of salem on halloween you always tell the sanderson story in any history class ever unless you're max dennison unless you're max dennison and it kind of just goes to show like, oh, like this that night with the Sanderson sisters really affected him um, that like he never wants to see them again. And like, I mean, yeah, we had a positive outcome the first time, but you don't see how it actually affects him afterwards. So I was like, oh, no, he has a serious disdain for these sisters. Um, but interesting. Yeah, it, it just goes to show the ambivalence that Dennison like really um, grew afterwards, which we didn't see. Well, because it's one of those things like, in a way, they like save the world and yet they can tell no one yeah. right? because like, who's, who the hell is going to believe them? Like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> you know, and so obvious. And, and, and that's the crux of this whole thing is that uh, Poppy knows the family secret of the night that took place. But of course, you can't tell anybody because they'll be like, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but she tells Isabella. She does. Only Katie, to get to like her. 
Yes. And uh, unfortunately, Katie the bully also overhears. Yep. And that's where uh, the tension begins. Because, of course, the famous Denison party is afoot tonight. <laughs> and everyone is invited. Uh, yeah. Um, I like that because, you know, that that's like a standard... Um, overhearing trope especially and, and it gives the the bully katie just you know more fuel to the fire um and it gets her involved in the story now like now that we're like oh great now she's obligated in her way because uh because she knows the truth and she's one of the few people who can actually believe that this is happening um so i like that it, it did like i i wondered when i was reading i was like oh how is katie gonna get involved and like that's her way in and you know i'm okay i'm okay with that i thought there was a slight missed opportunity to have her be a part of um the calling back ritual because she's a natural foil to be like well just do it poppy Mm. you you know what i mean like oh all of it's fake but oh you you clear you believe in it do you believe in it or do you not believe in it so i think it just could have been that extra push because as it stands i guess I'm, i'm curious um to know so yeah isabella brings this like spirit board (laughs) <laughs> as funsies <laughs> even though yeah. there's a blood moon and uh you know allison's like uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> ripping her a new one it was like uh speaking from experience don't do this um but you know teenagers aren't gonna listen to their parents and it's halloween that's when you do the ouija board um or you know whatever board that's most likely to resemble a ouija board um I, you know, again, I was okay with it, but also I, I think it was more, um, you know, to kind of go back a little bit to adding Katie to, I think maybe it would have been one too many girls because now we have the three Sanderson sisters and it would have been nice to add Katie to this group with that could have been three girls against the three older women. But I think maybe that would have been one too many girls. I don't know. So it might have thrown off the balance. And I think it, it really helps that it added isabella and poppy's relationship over um the course of that night yeah when it was those two together yeah i guess that makes sense and i mean ultimately she is added to the mix towards the end um and so that feels organic in that Chauffeur. way for sure. i mean like she had the car so yeah, yeah. get her involved um but uh so at the as they're in the Sanderson house, we have the spirit board. And then Elizabeth, or not Elizabeth, Isabella pulls out uh, her secret that she had the spell book. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> huh, how did you get this? Um, uh, and I, I like that. I was like, oh, something's interesting with Isabella. Is she related to them? Is she a witch? Uh, and, you know, and we do find out at the end, not to jump ahead. But uh, I like that because you're like, oh, secrets. Um, and, like, it really just brings, it adds that that next level of Poppy-Isabella relationship. Did you think that she might be evil somehow? Or, mm, like, when you read no. that, what's going on? No, I didn't really think evil because uh, um, it, no, it wasn't Caitlin that was the daughter um the the i the way that they establish isabella so he could say like this is the crush this is the woman that poppy the love interest and to have the love interest turn out to be evil i like i i wasn't reading it in that way because maybe just conditioned from the first one like we know how head over heels max was for allison and now we kind of have the daughter head over heels for for isabella and i like that I, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I felt it would have been a fun twist of like, oh, Poppy doesn't get what she wants. <laughs> oh, that would have been disappointing. <laughs> well, maybe maybe uh, she realized that Katie, you know, was the one for her all along. I don't know. It could have. Oh, <laughs> That's a toxic relationship. I don't like that. No. Listen, um, they, they they found they they made amends by the end. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. Um, I, I liked Isabel and Poppy together. Yeah. So. The twist this time is that in order for the Sandersons to come back, you have to swap bodies. And uh, just as Max, Allison, and Danny come, boom, they are swapped for our Sanderson sisters. Mm-hmm. And uh, they go straight to hell. Like, oops, we didn't think about this plan at all. <laughs> um, 
And I think that's, that's, I mean, it was unfortunate for the original Denison group and, and, you know, and Alice and to kind of go away because it forced the, this new generation, these kids to deal with this problem. Um, because if it was just like Max and Danny and Alice and figuring it out again, then like, what's the point of the, the daughters when we know this is now the daughter's problem. This is their conflict. Uh, I like that. It, it kind of broke them out of the story a bit to force, um, you know, the daughter to find the resolution. And it raised the stakes in that way, right? Now, like this time around, it's, we got to save the parents. We got to save the town um, because it, as it escalates, they swap a lot more people. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and it was, that was a newer element because, you know, the, the whole first story is like just getting the youth from children. But now there are other, you know, there's more family involved. Um, and the fact that now on top of trying to suck the lives from children, they also have to get the, the original family back. So that it just added another layer of desperation and jeopardy. Yes. And where does one go when they're desperate? The cemetery. <laughs> yeah, because that's the best place, obviously. <laughs> uh, so this is where we reunite with our characters of Binks, a.k.a. Thackeray, Emily, who is actually named Emily Binks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where we meet Elizabeth Sanderson for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I liked I liked Elizabeth. I liked how they added because when I said a, a few minutes ago, it's like, oh, there, there really wasn't anyone who was challenging or against Winnie when it came to her motivations. But then we get Elizabeth. You're like, oh, no, Elizabeth is actually the good is you, you can assume she's like the the good daughter um, the one who could actually like keep Winnie on a leash per se, and who would actually have the motivation to like stand up against Winnie. And I was like, I was for it. And I was like, all right, we we got sibling rivalries going down. Let's go. And as the tale goes, um, you know, they also set this up in the first one. Um, Elizabeth um, lives on sort of the edge of that town um, in you know the the sixteen hundreds. So when Emily went, she tried to stop Emily from going, but in her mind, not hard enough. And that's what led to um, Emily's death. And so she feels that guilt over that. So um, I do, you know, like all things, I like that the the weight of history is ever present. But of course, Emily has forgiven her. Binks has forgiven her. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. And I think that gave a more part of my- positive motivation for elizabeth the fact that she felt remorse and gave her more um a better reason to go up against winnie because like no she knows right from wrong um she has more of an ethical um motivation (laughs) to to go against winnie and uh that's something that we never got and i like i enjoy that someone who actually like has a conscience (laughs) yes well, this time around, uh, unlike with the first one, they get clear instructions on how they can stop the witches. But in order to do that, um, you know, not not saying that it turns into a fetch quest, but it's a little bit of a fetch quest. So I think that's a, a you know a distinction because in the first one they're like, um, we have to stop them. What the hell's going on? Whereas here it's like, here's what you got to do. There's a blood moonstone that's like a family heirloom. Go destroy it. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean. And that's cool, too, because, again, it's now it's like, now we have a mission. We have to go get it. We don't even know where it is. But thanks to technology that, like, kind of resolved that really quickly. Um, I, I'm not sure if I was okay with that, but you got to remember the times, because even in the 90s, like, they use Max and Allison use their technology, quote unquote, like radio and of the PA system to, like, repeat lines and force the girls into tricks and traps and stuff like that and then we also have like the iphones now um just today's modern technology that helped lure the the women into traps so uh and the fact that they use siri to help find the stone like immediately i was like oh let's go (laughs) i'm like oh that was too easy i was like if we had siri back in the 90s the movie would have been done in 10 minutes um but like it, it, it was just a, a nice modernization that added to the to to keep the story along. Yeah, and obviously, you know, there's a lot that the witches themselves missed in the 25 year gap, and they certainly weren't caught up just by one night on Halloween, you know, back in 1993. 
but at least they're much more knowledgeable that things have changed, right? And so um, they can sort of embrace that. And, and, you know, to your point about the sisters and, and whatnot, like it's really Mary that figures out the phone. She doesn't fully understand it, but uh, regardless, it was Winnie's like, you know, put that away essentially. Like, what are you doing, you ignorant buffoon? Whereas Mary's <laughs> like, I think this can help. Right. The woman is trapped inside and she talks. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing. I was like, Mary could be if, like, if she was just a little bit smarter. You know, the potential is there. You know that Mary could actually take down Winnie, but she's just so aloof that you're like, oh no, that's why Winnie's the smart one. But like, Mary has those those shiny moments. You're like, oh no, this is something. Um, and I, I like, I do love Mary in, the, in that sense. We're like, uh, we we do need Mary around because she's kind of like the voice of the audience that uh, will like she answers all the questions that we're already thinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's uh, speak also Sarah. It is her that sings into the phone. So they essentially use Isabella's phone to call everybody ever <laughs> <laughs> and sing to them so much so that it makes uh social media trending and then national news of like, Hey, people in Korea are getting phone calls and they're acting strange. Yeah. And and it also makes it like a more global presence too, because I mean, here in the first one, we only got really like the main town of Salem. And now that this is it's such a big deal, this is a worldwide thing. It just shows like how big the world got and like how expansive and how powerful they actually could be um, if they had the power over all the children, not just Salem, but the world. Ooh, that's a whole nother level of dangerous to these Sanderson sisters. We're talking about three ancient hags in the 20th century. How bad can it be? <laughs> bad. Uh, bad. <laughs> uh, so good. Um, so this time around, uh, the lighthouse is a primary setting. We revisit this multiple times, but um, so they, they try to make, they, they kind of understand that the lighthouse has this history and uh, who of course knows more about the lighthouse history than principal jay aka bully jay from the first one mm -hmm. but uh talk about being scarred by the past like when the kids visit him he's like no no no, no. where's my daughter by the way i'm yeah. done with this not getting involved here and i, I like that uh because it just shows that like he learned his lesson <laughs> and karma's kind of a bitch in, in that way but it it also shows that like Again, getting him, getting the original characters back and just like adding his two cents. Uh, I like that. But that, you know, the symbolism of Lighthouse, you know, that's supposed to be a place of safety um, in, in a place of darkness. So just the, the fact that they're at the Lighthouse totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, basically a lot happens, right? Like that's the moment where, you know, half the team gets kidnapped. Um you know, Isabella manages to escape because she's a dog. But of course, the witches have the spell book and they have now the blood moon stone, both things that they need in order to essentially bring back. In this sense, they they um, they want to bring back master and mother and also start a coven. <laughs> yeah, the whole coven, like bring back all the witches that were burned during the, the Salem witch trials, I was like, oh no. Now we, we're like, we have three women already that are causing problems, but to have like the whole conclave, that's a big di uh, deal too. Uh, again, adding more level of jeopardy. I was for it because we got to see different characters that we've never seen before. Indeed. And luckily for us, um, Isabella the dog manages to come in save everybody and then it's back to the cemetery where um elizabeth figures out how to turn isabella back into a real person um uh, which by the way i i like the moments where <laughs> where poppy was able to understand isabella the dog <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, just by the expressions uh, i love the the description because it even goes to show like how well their relationship was developing like they didn't even have to talk they had to just look at each other it's like no i feel you i understand what you're saying like i'm communicating even though we're a human to a dog um and the fact that it was a boston terrier that was hilarious too <laughs> because very you know apropos for the area um yeah. but it, it just shows like the, the relationship is cute on all different levels yeah um and then 
So we're going to destroy the Blood Moonstone, uh, not with an, not with a pick, not with anything. Um, we're going to use Isabella's magic because she herself is a Sanderson. Yeah, she's a witch. <laughs> you know, uh, Elizabeth Sanderson is her great, 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 great something. Add in or subtract however many greats, I forget. <laughs> Probably like around four or five. Uh yeah, I like that because uh, it it also shows like relevancy and how um, Isabella is, you know, also involved in the fact that like that gives her power, that gives her character power over these Sanderson sisters. It's like now we have blood, um, like a blood related, another sibling to to worry about, especially on the night of a blood moon. <laughs> so it's you know, it's genetics <laughs> kind of re- really you know play into the story. Yeah, and uh, it's the final stand at the lighthouse, you know, uh, by sort of the the climax of it. You've got all these zombie kids and these new witches coming after them. Of course, the Sandersons. But the main thing that happens is we get Drusilla the Dreadful, which is their mother. And so I'm curious, we don't get a lot of her. Um, So I want to hear your opinion of her. Um. I loved to hate her in um, <laughs> uh, like the best possible bull way because Drusilla D- the Dreadful already great name. And but to see like how condescending she is towards these girls that the women on the Sanderson sisters, you're like, oh, we thought the Sanderson sisters were bad. I was like, no, Drusilla is terrible. She is just like a horrible, judgmental, condescending woman. You do not want her to have power um, because you know, I was like, Winnie, yeah, she she's fun but like she's not hateful um she's fun to follow around yeah she has a terrible motivation but like she's not like the worst person but drusilla is like oh no she's a straight-up biage it's like we 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 don't just as a character we don't like her um and to see such uh condescension from mother to daughters and uh we're like oh there's a whole nother level of tension character development that did not know about well what did you think so because Elizabeth has a good sort of viewpoint of her mother um, and that gets shattered very quickly. Um, so that was one of those moments I was like, well, why, why would she think that her mother was, was good? Because it's, if anything, I'm much more inclined to believe that this is the way Drusilla's always been. And that's why Winnie and the rest of them are like that. So what kind of relationship did she have with Elizabeth? That, that's where it, it was. It just could have been a little bit tighter for me. Uh, yeah i can see that i think maybe you know also just the the generational skips that something got lost <laughs> in translation we didn't see that relationship develop but you know i'm okay with that honestly uh like yeah it, it maybe it just like adds more to our imagination like oh something there's a disconnect somewhere something happened yeah it seemed like um it seemed like if anything uh, Drusilla manipulated Elizabeth because, you know, as far as giving her the blood moonstone, um, she thought Elizabeth thought that she was protecting it from Winnie when in reality she was keeping it for Drusilla. So mm-hmm. I think if anything, my like filling in the blanks for myself, it's one of those where Elizabeth was manipulated, you know, and not that she's stupid, but, you know, it just speaks about Drusilla. Right. And there's also a power shift in dynamics between antagonist like now Winnie's not the the bad one now now we have to worry about Drusilla more um knowing like what a terrible person that she was like oh no she's the baddie she's the one we should all be afraid of um so let's take her out yeah and good old Poppy she gets that idea you know she's gonna toss she's gonna toss the keys as if it's the blood moonstone and she's damn it he's tricked us again tricked us again that sort of moment yeah Uh um you got to give it to the teenagers uh, outsmarting these women over and over and over again. <laughs> because it really just shows like how ditzy they are. I, um, maybe ditzy is not the best word. Like just like how aloof, I guess you can say that they are. Like they're so gung-ho about their motivation of just trying to like mort- mortality and, you know, just trying to suck the lives of children. That's like they're, the only thing they see. That's t- their tunnel vision. That they, they're not like so smart about everything else. They're just, just completely oblivious and teenagers really really you know um go in on that <laughs> and really use that to their advantage 
Yeah. And that that's to me has always been the fun aspect of it, right? Dating back to the first movie of, you know, the lighter, um, obviously the uh, the kiln and all that stuff. So burning rain of death. <laughs> yeah. So uh, very much appreciated. But of course, it is a happy ending. Everyone returns. Um, you know, Danny's happy. She's, uh, <laughs> you know, the rest of the family's there. Principal Jay and Max make up. They you know, do. after 25 years, they're uh, they're good. Yeah, and I love that because, you know, we see, you know, the end post credit scene in the first one where Jay and Ernie are still in the their cages. They're like, oh, did they ever get out? And uh, we're like, oh, yeah, that was a mean thing for Max to do, just leaving them literally hanging. Uh, but uh, because like, yeah, that that sucks, too, for, for them. Um, but I love how they, they did resolve that they're like yeah we're older like it's it's no longer our problems now our like all the history between us is you know water under the bridge i like that and it just shows like how much they've grown up absolutely um so we we did talk about the ending sort of at the beginning of our discussion of part two that uh you know elizabeth says as long as there are uh as long as their evil exists the witches can come back and so cut to one year we get a post-credit scene which is what i'm going to call it yeah. Where someone raises Billy Butcherson. Oh, Billy. What do you make of this? I'm for it. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, because, I mean, they kept referencing Billy every once in a while. And um, and to have a, an original character come back in that way, I'm like, my, all right, correct me if I'm wrong, because this sounded like there was a body swap. It was a boy who conjured billy back up but i was like is it really a boy though now do we have a boy uh like a male warlock that we have to worry about like we're worried about female witches but now do we have to worry about male warlocks i was like oh that's a whole nother generation yeah and especially because billy's good i mean sure Billy's good. yeah he's an adulterer technically yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but he's good he's a good zombie He's a good zombie because he was against Winnie. So I was like, the the enemy of my enemy is my, or yeah, is my friend. Yes. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah. But like, we love Billy, and the fact that even Billy showed up for two seconds, I'm for it because it makes me wonder if this this kid who conjured Billy back up is like, is he related now? And is there another relationship that we don't know that now ties them into the storyline? I'm for it. Again, we need the third story. Yeah, it would, I, I, I'd be down for a third story. I mean, as I said, I mean, I think the part one is very tight because it's working off of the source material. I think part mm-hmm. two gets a little bit shaggy here and here and there. Um, like in particular, I think it, um, if anything, I I get Poppy's motivation. I think there's just a, too many times where it's like, I don't, I don't need you to repeat this. Like I got it from the context, but yeah. Um, and, you know, I pointed out a couple of things story-wise. But other than that, like, I, I do enjoy it overall. And I would definitely be down for a third story with Billy Butcherson or whatever it may be. Same. Same. I was like, we love these characters. That's why they keep coming back. Because they actually are really fun characters to follow um, along. As crazy as they are, like, we now know that the beasts and the structures have to um, resurrect them, how to kill them like and like everything in between like it's still fun even though now it's predictable it's still fun to watch yeah and you know obviously you would imagine and as was the case like a book like this was kind of panned by the critics but it was never really for the critics you know it was right. people who love the books with the nostalgia factor you know it's a, it's a free form book um and so it's for young adults and that are discovering yes pun intended magic of hocus pocus and you know i think it delivers on that stuff and you know uh was it like a new york times bestseller no but it was a still a good bestseller overall so right it's it's for the next generation and i'm okay with that because like fortunately for you and i that like hocus pocus came out for us we were the kids for the that movie we were the target demographic and now that thanks to social media the power of Bette Midler resurging the importance of Hocus Pocus because it did become a cult classic. 
um, and just, you know, redistribution and things to freeform and constantly re-airing it on television. Like the whole next generation, uh, you know, uh, are, are loving this story too. So yeah, this, this book may not be for us, but the fact that we're passing it along to the next kids for it, all for it. Like my kids, my future kids will be, will know the story before any other Halloween story. <laughs> and their kids after that. Yeah. And their kids after that. And their kids after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Well, you know, certainly there's other stuff we can harp on with this, but uh, I think we'll close the, the book there, pun intended. Uh, let's talk about books that uh, we've been reading for fun. Uh, yeah. Marcy, you want to open this up? Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I just started. Um, for, for some reason, I got into the conversation about, you know, um, Joan Didion. So I rented this book from the library. And then, of course, again, with Book Talk, I'm, I'm such a Book Talk person. Um, I have uh, Crescent City from Sarah J. Mass, who's right, rightfully now known for the Court of Thorns series. That's just like literally blazing through every young woman ever. Um, the You know, that popularity, it's a, it's a different book series from the same author. So I'm, I'm diving into those because I don't know it's, it's like two completely different dynamics but you know I just love reading right on well um there was an author who contacted me J.R. Jordan uh who saw one of my posts about um uh witness for the prosecution and so he's like hey I wrote a book called magic time the films and scripts of Billy Wilder would you like a copy I just want to keep Billy Wilder's memory alive and as a film nut, I was like sure I would love to read this book um, yeah. so I have a copy of it um, it's very in-depth it is available um, as we speak on Amazon and so if you are a film person if you love Billy Wilder in particular uh, I think you will thoroughly enjoy this book um, then the other thing that I've uh, been getting into is uh, the fifth season by N.K. Jemison. we've uh, read one of her books, uh, well, technically two, but we talked only about one of them. Um, and this is like the book that's supposed to be really good of hers. Um, I don't know. People seem to love it. I'm not loving it as much, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, that's fair. You know, and then, uh, yeah, so that's kind of that. And let's uh, let's give you a preview of what we've got coming up. So first and foremost, uh, your pick for next month is Stranger With My Face. Yes. By Lois Duncan, it's a scary thriller, psychological thriller, um, evil twins and all that. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I'm excited. I don't know why I chose this, but I, I think it's be a nice, fun horror kind of story for the month of Halloween. Yeah, I'm about 115 pages in. It's 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 good, and uh, it's a very fun, easy breezy, but scary-ish read. Yeah. Um, the same author who penned "I Know What You Did Last Summer." So. Yes. um and then next month (laughs) so for november we are covering the legend of bagger vance by stephen pressfield it is a golf book it has been turned into a wonderful movie i have not read or seen either so um looking forward to that and then we decided to switch up our rotation so i get december this time so we will be skipping christmas along with john grisham um so that's the definitive. And then I put down some books that might be TBD, but uh, I might just read for fun. But uh, one one particular one that stood out to me is The Absolute True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman uh, Alexi. Um, that one, I'm like, that sounds, based on what I heard about it, sounds very interesting. So maybe we'll do that one. But I'll, I'll, I'll try to pre-read a li- couple of these before we uh, fully make any uh, decisions. Yeah. 2024 is uh, so far away and yet so not. <laughs> right. I was like, maybe let's let's finish out this year strong with our, our fun books um, to look forward to because I still haven't um, really decided what we're going to read for January to start us off. Um, but I'm sure it'll be interesting, enjoyable either way. Indeed. All right. So that's what we have. Thank you as always for taking the time to join us. Comment with any thoughts about Hocus Pocus. Like I said, I'll link to um, our actual movie discussion from at this point, pretty much 10 years ago, if not more. Yeah. I mean, I love Hocus Pocus. It just shows like how great the movie ages 
Um, obviously, I have my Funko girls here, and I have my shirt. Mm -hmm. Anderson sisters. So thank you, Phil, for still giving relevance to this T-shirt that I I also bought. Um, of course, yeah, because right, so like they're, they're... I love these I love these women. They're awesome. Um, we love it so much. We even attended. Um, there was like an unofficial musical parody of it. <laughs> we um, did. Where our friend Laura Thomas played uh, Sarah, sister Sarah, and it was really good. Unfortunately, that place uh, shut down because of the okay. pandemic, which is a, a little bit of a tragedy. Because I did enjoy those. That was a great performance. Yeah, we, like you and I, we love the story of Hocus Pocus. Indeed. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us. Thank you for joining us and see you next time.